Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. I'm Natalie Walton, and this is Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. Each week, I'm here to share with you some of the biggest lessons I've learned during my career and life. Some of them I wish I'd learned a lot sooner because they would have saved me a huge amount of time, stress, and even money. Many of these ideas could have accelerated my journey as a creative and business owner. I also feature interviews with inspiring creatives, entrepreneurs, and experts to help you focus on what's most important in your life. Today's episode will be focused on one of my big lessons that I've learned throughout my career. Hello everyone, today I wanted to talk about how to get publicity for your project. This is something that I have to say that has come quite easily to me, but I think it's because I have a lot of knowledge that I've gained from being on the other side of the fence. So For anyone that might not be familiar with my story and sort of my backstory, I guess, I mean, some of you might know me obviously through my books or my courses, 
But my career actually started when I was working as a news reporter many, many years ago. So basically at university, I studied English literature and gender studies as well. And I graduated and I wanted to do something to do with English. So at that point, the most obvious choice was to become a journalist. The journey to becoming a journalist became from basically just putting myself out there, doing what I could, writing for local small publications, and I was often writing for free. And then I got a job with a finance news website. Well, it wasn't even a website back then because this was pretty much before websites. That's how long ago it was. It was for a newswire service. And this is basically, we would generate the news based on listening to what was happening on the share markets, announcements from the government, press releases, and we would turn it into a newswire feed. And then other journalists would then take that from the newspapers and turn it into stories. So that was kind of the beginning for me. I also then worked for a period in London and I was working for a design company and helping them with press releases. So I would get their press and projects featured in design publications within London. And um, I helped them a lot with that because that was something that they struggled with. When I came back to Australia, I then worked for a medical newspaper. And again, I was writing stories, but this was all related to GPs and health. And so I sort of saw, saw a whole other spectrum of um, different types of the news cycle related to that. Then I moved across to Real Living magazine where I was the deputy editor for five years. So I've worked across different industries and also different types of news creation. So I've gone from a newswire to a newspaper. I've been on the other side doing PR for a company, also worked in magazines and the interiors industry. And then since I've left the magazine, I have obviously been working on my own projects and generating publicity for them, for my books, for my courses, for the various things that I do. So I feel like I actually have quite a, a broad exposure to lots of different areas of this. And it's one of these elements of my experience that in many ways I kind of take for granted because I know it so well that I only had a moment of realization the other day that actually this might be helpful to some of you because I do have a lot of knowledge on this side. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. If you have a passion project or something that you want to get more publicity for, you want to be more visible, then these are the some of the things for you to consider. So the first thing is to be visible. Now, this is something that has become more and more of an issue and more and more important in recent years. In the past, you would perhaps use a PR agency or you would send out press releases. But really today, the most powerful and easiest way to get publicity for your project is to have a social media presence. Because the more that you're out there, then the more people see it as an easy way to 
to get you to become the expert on a particular topic. So whatever it is that you do, if you're a photographer, if you're an interior designer, people are always looking for somebody to provide quotes, to provide images, to share their story. And so the more that you put yourself out there and your work, then the more likely other people are to approach you, which is a very easy way to generate publicity. So pretty much at the moment, that is what is happening to me. I show up on social media, I share my resources, I share my home, I share my projects. And because of that, I get people contacting me saying, hey, we'd love to do an interview with you on our journal, or we'd love to feature your home, or we'd love you to do uh, IGTV or whatever it is, because I'm being visible and I'm showing up on social media. And obviously I'm showing the best part of my home. I'm showing the parts of my business that I really want to share, but I am making a conscious effort to do that. So that is really important as well. And to also to talk about yourself and your journey. So I know, and I've spoken about this in previous episodes, but I know that a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about putting themselves on their feed or putting themselves out into the world. But it is such a great connection tool. And as soon as you do, people have a better understanding of you, what you're about, the type of person you are, you know, do you have great style? Uh, whatever it is. And then do you have children? And then people see, oh, maybe they have got a website that's about families, or maybe they've got a website that is about um, something to do with personal style or beauty or whatever it is. But as soon as you start to share the elements of your personality and who you are, then people start to engage with that more because it becomes an easy fit for them. Really talk about your projects and also talk about yourself and your journey. And I can guarantee just by doing that on social media, you increase the likelihood that people will actually approach you about your projects and what you're doing, and you will gain publicity in that way. And it is such a simple, easy thing to do. So the second thing is to be proactive. Obviously, to an extent, showing up on social media is to be proactive. But if you have something very specific that you're looking to promote, maybe you're just launched your business, or maybe you've got a new campaign that you're launching. Maybe if you're a photographer, you've just put together a new series of prints or an exhibition. If you're an interior designer, maybe you have got a project that you have just completed and you want to get publicity for that. So whatever it is, then go out and approach people about what you're doing. Now, this can feel terrifying for many people. As I said, because I've sort of been on the other side, I actually don't have a problem with doing this because I know what the other people are thinking. And this is for many of you will be what you have to put to the side and realize that the people on the other side of the fence, they are just looking for content. They are not going to be judging you. They're just going to see, are you a right fit or not? And it's as simple as that. It's no judgment on who you are or anything like that. It really comes down to, are you aligned with their brand? And will this be relevant to their audience? Think of it in terms of that way, rather than it being about you personally. One of the things that you can do is to look for aligned brands. 
So let's take the example of somebody who is perhaps a photographer that has just done a photo print series. Now, you've got to look out there for people who've got brands that they create content. There are so many of them. There are so many different brands out there that have a journal, that they regularly feature people in their home, that they feature interviews, that there are podcasts out there who do interviews and look for the ones. So you could, for instance, contact um, a bed linen company. There are certainly many of those and lots of them have journals and you could approach one of them about what you've done and maybe even send them some photos of your home or your studio or whatever it is that you see that they create on their series. Some of them, for instance, um, they have, it's not just about the home, but they might do ones about recipes or other things, travel, and maybe you could share some of those images with them. Even obviously, if you're a photographer, maybe they might even be interested in publishing the photos, depending on what the series is, and you can give them an exclusive. You could say, I've just created this series. I would love, um, I'm very happy for you to use them. I'm happy to give it to you exclusively, which people love. People love to receive anything that is exclusive. Think about that too. So look out there and see who is creating content and I can guarantee you there are so many different companies out there that are hungry for content. So they will actually be grateful for you to approach them and to share what you're doing, or especially if you've got images that they can use and it won't cost them any money to publish and it's good quality imagery, then they will be so happy to hear from you. So think of it in terms of that. The other way that you can be proactive is to set up your own journal or podcast and feature others who are aligned with your own brand or what you're about. Recently, for example, when I did the interview with Jody from Practicing Simplicity, I actually forgot about the ripple effect that happens with this is that we've got a similar kind of aesthetic and a similar approach to life. So when I did the interview with her, and I mean, I was just interested to talk to Jody, but I noticed that I then got a whole bunch of her followers come across to me, and I'm sure that she probably got a bunch of my followers that started following her. I mean, you get this beautiful, I'm going to try and say this word, reciprocity, uh, I can't say it, reciprocity, I can't say it, no, but you know what I'm trying to say, like you get this beautiful flow on effect. Um, this is why I'm a better writer than I am a talker because I can spell words, but I can't always say them. Um, but it, you just get this beautiful organic growth when you connect with people who have a very similar aesthetic to you. They've got very similar values and you kind of build off each other. And this is what happened to me a lot when I was growing my blog Daily Imprint, because every day, five days a week, I was sharing interviews with people who um, had, you know, a similar kind of look and feel and ideas. And this was before Instagram. And people then, that's how my, my blog started to grow back in those days. And it had quite a, you know, a kind of little cult following because people would find out about me through their leads and their contacts. And I mean, even when I think about it now, it was incredible because then it really was word of mouth. And occasionally some of them, I don't even think people would be sharing via 
um, certainly not really even Instagram in the early days, maybe not even email. It really was word of mouth, which is just amazing. Other people had a few little blogs. So again, you would kind of get some of them would share with their blog followers and you'd get a bit of growth that way. But really think about can you set up your own journal or your own podcast or even on Instagram? Can you do little, you know, five minute quick questions on your stories or other things that you can do so that you can get other people onto your um, page and they can learn about you in that way? The third thing, so we've talked about, the first was to be visible. So to really put yourself out there. The second was to be proactive. So this is to contact aligned brands or even set up your own journal or podcast or way to feature other people. The third way is to really be aware. It's so important to be really mindful of the brands that you approach. It's really, really important. And I can't understate this. It is so important to not approach competitors in the same market. Now, this would happen all the time with magazines. If you had a home that you thought could be featured in a magazine, you pitch it to one magazine at a time. You don't send it out to all the magazines at once. It's not about a bidding war. You need to be really thoughtful and go for your preferred magazine or your preferred journal or your preferred podcast first. Contact them, give them a deadline as well and say, I'm giving this to you first. I would love to be in your publication or on your journal. I wanted to approach you first before I go and reach anybody else. And if you could please get back to me by the end of this week. So give them a little bit of time, but don't give them too much time because I can guarantee you that if it's of interest, if they're really excited about sharing your Airbnb or your project or whatever it is, your home, they will get back to you really quickly because as I said, people are hungry for content and if they feel it's a really good fit for their outlet, then they will jump on it. Now, if they don't get back to you, then move on. And you're then obviously within your own rights to say, you know, well, you didn't get back to me. I do think it is good to, towards the end of that week, to just say, hey, I'm just checking in. I sent you an email earlier in the week. Please let me know if it's of interest. Otherwise, um, you know, I will move on. And again, if they don't get back to you, then you know that they're not interested. Otherwise, they might say, oh, oh, sorry, you know, I didn't see that or it went to junk folder or whatever it is, and they will let you know. So give them a deadline, do a follow up. But if they don't get back to you, then it's really important to just move on. But only approach one publication or one outlet within that market at a time. Now you can approach multiple outlets within different categories. So let's say you've got a home project and you've just renovated and you would love to share that. And you think that that might be really good for a sort of an aligned business that you have. Maybe you do sell linen, bed linen or something like that. Let's just say that you do, or you've got a ceramics collection or whatever it is, and you've just finished the renovation of your home. So you could contact a magazine and at the same time, you could also, maybe you've got a young family, so you could go and approach a site such as, um, you know, a family 
blog or website that you know you want to share something about your family life at home. Now they are not competing publications, but do be careful with magazines. It's probably less so now, but certainly when I was working within public within magazines and publishing companies, they really wanted exclusivity. So they would not be happy if your home appeared on a blog at the same time it was going in the magazine, especially because magazines have such long lead times that it can be three months before something is published when they receive it because it's kind of got to go through the whole production cycle. You know, they've got to commission a writer to write the story. They've got to lay it out into the magazine. They might already have issues already um, about to go to print or just being published. So you can kind of get in a bit of a queue. So be aware of that and just have an open and honest conversation with them and just say, I wanted to touch, um, you know, I've been approached by this other website. I'm happy to hold off if you want, or they might say, no, that's fine. You know, you can do that. It depends on how desperate they are for your content in particular. As I said, don't approach competitors in the same market. So as I mentioned, if, you know, so many different bed linen companies, they've got journals. So you're not going to approach two competitors with your project or whatever it is you're working on at the same time. If one comes back to you or doesn't come back to you, then by all means go to the next one, but don't go to the same ones at the same time. When you first contact them, it's really important to keep your email brief Try and make it personal in some way that you have a real awareness of what they're about and basically get to the point of what you can offer them and what the time limit is. One of the big mistakes that I saw a lot when I was working at all the different news outlets that I used to work at was that people would send through a press release And sometimes it was embedded in the email. Um, Sometimes it was really long. And I would be going through thinking, what is the news? What's the angle here? What are you trying to tell me? So it needs to be really clear what actually you can do for them, what you're offering, and also what the, the time frame of this all is. You don't want to have a really long introduction where you're sort of telling them your life story and you're not getting to the point about what actually you're suggesting to them. Let's take the example of you've just renovated your home and you think that the magazine might be interested. Then just say that, you know, say hi and whoever the person's name is, make sure that you get the spelling correct. There is nothing more infuriating when people get the name incorrect because it just shows a sloppiness and a a bit of disrespect. That's something that I'm always so careful from um, or about whenever I contact someone. Of course, we all make mistakes and people understand that, but don't be sloppy about it. Approach them and even within your subject headline, you can just say something like potential house or whatever it is or potential feature. And that is a hook in itself. You don't want to have some vague or obscure kind of um, headline. In a few circumstances, depending on the person, you could maybe just say hello in the headline, but don't try and be too 
too much of a hard sell in your headline or too clever or, you know, they might just kind of overlook it and think it's just a press release. They want to feel like you're a person and people do like if you are someone that is just, it feels like you're contacting them rather than it's being sent out as a blanket email to 20 other people. The other thing that I would say about that as well is to really make sure that you are contacting the decision maker within the publication. So if you just send out to their generic email form, the chances are that that might just go to an administration person and you might not be going to the person who's making the decisions. On a publication, I would actually suggest to you, you're more likely to get to the right person if you approach the deputy editor or the news feature editor or somebody who actually writes the stories within the category. Don't go to the editor. Generally, editors are absolutely swamped. Unless you have maybe a pre-existing relationship, I would suggest that you go for somebody who's perhaps a little bit down the chain because they're more likely to have the time. Whereas the editor is also dealing with advertisers and a whole heap of other people. And it can be really hard to get them to, to even open your email. Whereas somebody else who's within one of the sections is more likely to open the email. So really try and find out if you can find the decision maker within the organization and get your email straight to them. Because if you start to put it through hurdles where it's got to be passed on or forwarded, then it's less likely to make its way through. Also consider the topics and themes that this particular publication or outlet covers. Do they do, for instance, a Mother's Day feature every year, or do they do something on Easter or Christmas? Lots of magazines or publications, for instance, at the end of the year, they like to do a how people celebrate Christmas, for example. Um, but just look at the themes that are in the different publication. They also often have, they might have a little section that it's not a whole feature on somebody's home. It might just be a little feature on somebody in their studio. So if your home is not appropriate for an interiors magazine, maybe the whole place isn't, but you might actually have a great little studio or some space that would be really interesting for them. Again, look at the different sections within the publication and see where you might be able to help them out. You might have a place whereby they can do a food feature. We used to do like a food with friends feature, for example. So maybe your entire home isn't suitable, but you might have a great kitchen or a great entertaining deck or something that they can go and photograph. The other thing that I would say as well is as people's budgets are tighter and tighter than they have ever been, if you can, get a professional photographer and look for the ones that they use. So look at the ones that that particular publication, even if it's the journal, look at who the photographers that they use, they always credit them. And maybe you can actually commission that photographer to capture your space or your project and you can send it to them and they will publish it basically because it's free content. Now, I know that a lot of interior designers are now doing this with magazines. Basically, the, the magazines don't have the budget of what they used to have. Their budgets have been slashed in half, if not more so. And so if you're an interior designer, look at the photographers that they use, and those photographers know the brief of the magazine, 
pay for the photographer to shoot your project and then pitch it to them. Some of the photographers have got such a good relationship with the magazines that they can actually pitch it for you. And it's almost a guarantee that it can get placed. Obviously it's got to be to the standard of the publication, but if it is, and it's free content, they're gonna jump at it. So it's a no brainer. It's definitely something that you can do. In the past, magazines used to like to shoot it in their own way or get their own stylist to do it, but they're so under the pump right now that they will almost certainly, if it's to their standard and it's a great photographer, it's almost a guaranteed way to get publicity for your project, or it certainly increases your chances greatly. Another thing to think of as well is to be an ally of the decision maker within the, the publication or the journal. So you might, for instance, contact them initially and they might say, look, we're just, we've got so many already on our, you know, on our books or our production schedule that we just, we just don't have something at the moment, but maybe you can help them in some way. So the more that you cultivate a relationship with this person who's the decision maker, then the more they're going to think of you when they do have an opportunity. So you don't wanna be long-winded, you don't wanna take up too much of their time, but if you can help them in some way, then, then, then do it, you know, and think, like get creative. Do you have a space that they could use for other photo shoots? Often magazines, they need to use locations. Maybe the house feature isn't right, but maybe they could use your home as a location for something else. Again, even if it's just a food shoot, they might want to use it. I've talked about to be visible, especially on social media, to be proactive and go out and contact people, to be really aware. So this is about looking at the type of content that they create, who are the decision makers, and also to not approach competitors within the, the market. Also be really mindful about the, the type of email that you send to them. And then the fourth thing I would say is to be persistent. My husband always says this, and it's something I think about a lot. It's the squeaky wheel is the one that gets oiled. You don't want to be a pest, but let me tell you, from having worked on the other side of the fence, having worked on a magazine, having worked in various news outlets, the the people who do the follow-up email, the people who touch base every couple of months, they are the ones you go back to. As long as they're making your life easy and they're not being a pest, you will actually remember them. Oh, that's right, so-and-so, they had a space that we could use, or maybe we could use them for this because you sort of, you wanna help people out. I mean, they're humans on the other side of the fence. So really remember that, but just keep it short. So as I mentioned before, if you're doing a follow-up email, just have it really short and just say, just wanting to check up, um, you know, I, I, it's now the end of the week and just wanted to see if this was interest of you. Um, and, and just, and that's it, you know, thank you. And that's it. You don't need to kind of go and give your entire life story. You don't want to make it feel like a burden to other people, but it's really important that you do follow up. And if it's not right for them that time, then like I said, you know, approach them in a couple of months time and say, Hey, I'm just wanting to check in. Um, is this now of interest to you? And maybe give them an update, say, since then we have also landscaped the garden or we've done something or give them, you know, another hook, something else that might be of interest to them. 
and even say to them, look, I'd love to follow up with you another time. Is that okay with you? And they will let you know whether that is appropriate or not. And no doesn't always mean no forever. Things change within publications all the time. Editors change. Uh, the, the brief of the magazine can change. They might do a redesign. They might introduce a new category. So just because they've said no today doesn't mean to say that that no is forever more. You can certainly approach them and reach out and what does it hurt? Really, it can feel sometimes overwhelming or you might feel nervous or uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean to say you shouldn't try. So I really encourage you to go out there and try. And as always with so many things in life, be nice, be helpful, be kind, be thoughtful. Um, all of those things go a very long way. And sometimes those special little touches can also keep people in your mind. So if you can, for instance, maybe you could actually send something to the, the editor or the person at the publication or outlet. Now, gifts, obviously, they can sometimes be a little bit problematic, but certainly that is what PR companies would do all the time when we were doing stuff um, on the magazine. So if it was a linen company, they would send bed linen to the editors, or if there was new cushion range, they would send cushions to the staff. And this idea of sending product was something that was certainly ripe when I was working on the publications. But if you don't have budget for that or you don't feel that's appropriate, then certainly you could, um, maybe you can send a little postcard or maybe there's something else that you could do. Uh, PR agencies also used to send things like chocolate and drinks and all sorts of things. So just think about something that might be, people might be grateful to receive. Maybe it's a plant or something else. So think about those things. Is there a way that you can just get that more personal touch to whoever is the decision maker or in charge? And trust me, they will remember you because of it but don't send them something that you don't think they're going to want because, you know, people don't want stuff that it just feels like stuff. It needs to feel like it's helpful or relevant in some way. Maybe it's a beautiful notebook or something like a pencil that's personalized or whatever it is, but it needs to feel like it's relevant to you and your story and what you're trying to get publicity for. And also that it's going to be helpful or useful to the person who is receiving it. There are some suggestions for you. I hope that this gives you a little bit more courage and confidence to go out and share your project or your message or whatever you want to get publicity for. It really, in some ways, even though magazines are becoming less and less powerful within this space. There are so many people out there who are trying to create content in one way or another. So just brainstorm some ideas and go out there and contact them. And I guarantee that something will stick. So good luck to you and let me know how you go. I would love to hear from you. I hope some of these ideas have been helpful to you in some way. I'd really love to know what works for you and how you've managed to get publicity for your projects. You can come and share your experience over at our Facebook page or send me a DM on Instagram at Natalie Walton. 
As always, I always love to hear from you. So please send me an email if you've got any questions or topics you'd like me to discuss on this podcast. You can send it to podcast at nataliewalton.com. You will also find show notes for this episode at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. It would mean so much to me. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded. I'll look forward to connecting again with you soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.